Hi folks, it's your host W. Curtis Preston and I wanted to give you some great news. Druva liked my latest O'Reilly book enough to sponsor it and you can get a free copy by just going to druva.com slash podcast. Hope you like it. On this episode of No Hardware Required, we'll be talking about driving innovation. With me this week is our CTO, Stephen Manley, and our Director of Innovation, Preeti Srinivasan. Hi, and welcome to Druva's No Hardware Required podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me our CTO, Stephen Manley. How's it going, Stephen? Oh, this is going to be a fantastic day. We get to talk about innovation. That's something that I almost know something about. <laughs> Just you and I pretending to know about things as we bring on people who actually know about things. If we ever did a podcast about faking it for 20 plus years, that w- I'd be the expert. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. One of these days, people are going to figure out you and I have no idea what we're talking about. I'm excited to bring on, uh, I think this is our her first time on this podcast. I want to welcome to No Hardware Required, Preeti Srinivasan. How's it going, Preeti? Hi, Curtis. Hi, Stephen. Hello. So we're going to talk about driving innovation today, and you're the director of innovation. So it seemed like the, you're the appropriate person to bring in. Sure. So the, the first thing I think on anybody's mind, uh, Preeti, is you know, every company out there wants to be innovative, uh, whether, whether they've been around for you know, centuries or whether they're two months into to starting their, their company. What, what are some of the best practices around being innovative as a company? Being innovative, um, sometimes it gets associated with something too scary or something that needs a large investment to begin with. But there are like top three things that I would say about that. First, to be innovative, you need to have a vision. And this vision is something what you want your organization to be or what your uh, org to focus on, something, a long-term strategy to start with. Say, a good time period would be something, uh, say, two years from now. So what do you want your organization to be? You start with the vision. And from that vision, it needs to focus on some of the top areas. One can be like innovating new products for the customers, or it can be uh, improving something for the customers, something that can drastically make their life easier from how they are interacting with your product today. How can you make it better? It can also be process improvement, making the process more efficient. Uh, it can be internal processes as well. Finally, it's about making sure that competition doesn't take over, but I would put that at the last. Sometimes organizations should not take that as the first step, but rather have customer-centric products and uh, new uh, features as the North Star to start off with innovation. That's interesting, the comment that you made there about um, not having competition be your focus. It, you know, it certainly has to play a role, right? But but you're saying that you, you think that it's more along the lines of what what your customers and potential customers are asking you for versus what the competition is doing. That's right. Don't get me wrong. It's important to be informed about the competition, but at the same time, that should not drive your innovation strategy. What drives your innovation strategy must be what you can do for your customers. How different, how radically different, or uh, what improvement that you can give for your customer should be the, the topmost vision from which you start. If you start looking at competitors, they might even be doing something just uh, without knowing themselves on what they are doing. And you don't want that to 
direct your organization's innovation strategy. So it's best to start with the customer as your very first step on like creating a vision for your organization. That's interesting too, in the sense that, I mean, if you're just watching the competition, it does, there is one sort of innovation, I suppose, that we see uh, in following the competition. And that's, that's more sort of optimization of process on the back end, you know, kind of that fast follower. Um, but, but, but it is interesting, right? For that to work, your company has to be set up to be that kind of company. Right. If you've been if you've been a leader, it's really hard to flip your organization to say, okay, now we're going to be the fast follower kind of optimized piece. So, so it is I think important to know what the soul of your company is. Are you a are you a fast follower? Or are you a leader? Yeah. So that that brings up an interesting question. So <clears throat> I know that Druva has been around a while and has been leading for a while and leading in in a couple of different ways. Leading in one way in that we've for many years, we've used the phrase that we were skating where the puck is going. And for a while, we were the only ones skating in that area of the rink. <laughs> right? uh, and now and now, finally, uh, suddenly, it's like everybody has suddenly decided to skate in the same area of the rink. And what? so I'm curious, what, what is it like for us to continue to drive innovation, especially now that we have so many people following us in that regard. So, it, you know, how, how do we drive innovation? Making a parallel to the first, uh, you know, recommendation I said, like having a vision. We started just the same way. The labs team comes under the CTO's office. And what our vision is to focus on next generation initiatives, uh, envisioning seamless data protection and beyond, uh, exploring new technologies and building innovative solutions for our customers to help unlock the value of data for our customers. Unlocking the value of data for our customers so that they get the benefits of backup data. So that's a vision to work based off on. So being a SaaS solution ourselves, so we found ourselves being in the right place at the right time, having the right uh, leverage to help our customers. So I go back to my competition point here. So here, we don't compare ourselves with how other data protection uh, solution providers are playing because here we are in a unique position of being a SaaS solution and uh, bringing this value of data to our customers. I think one of the interesting things in that, and I'm, I'm curious on your perspective, is in a company like Druva, given that we are already sort of cutting edge, right? we are further ahead of where everybody else is, I guess, yeah. How how do you you know there is no one to model after. There's you know how, how do you how do you sort of balance and say which are the projects we go after? What's success? What's what's failure? Um, you know because because you're already ahead. So so how how do you sort of balance that as you look at the projects? When we look at the projects, we build on our strengths. Going back to the initial question of like what more can we do for our customers? We observe diff different markets that's also adjacent to where we are. Is it privacy? Is it like compliance? Is it e-discovery? Even uh, optimizations, architectural optimizations that we can do. Looking at uh, adjacent areas and also uh, understanding like the customer's need. Like we ask ourselves the question, so customers back up their data and then what can we give for our customers? What are some of the use cases that our customers can uh, leverage from this with the centralized uh, backup that is available in the cloud. And 
what are some of the use cases that the customers are trying to solve today? Are they looking for data to solve compliance? Are they looking for uh, data for uh, exfiltration or risk analysis use cases? I would say like start off with building from our strengths the leverage that we have for our customers. It's very importantly also like talking to customers and seeing what are the areas with which we can benefit for them. It also has like an amount of like forward thinking as well. We we can see like what are the benefits like if you're comparing ourselves, we compare ourselves to more of SaaS, SaaS solutions, more of like cloud organizations. And those will be the arena through which you can look at, you know, the vision for, uh, innovation. It's interesting that, you know, the, the, the comment you made right there at the end where you said we kind of have to compare ourselves to other SaaS companies versus other backup companies. It's interesting also that there are other backup companies that are now getting into the SaaS business. I wonder what it's like to innovate there at more of a traditional company that's been around for a long time and has a you know, a giant list of products, and now they're trying to innovate, trying to create a SaaS product, for example, with their existing product, what it's like to innovate there versus what it's like to innovate in a high growth environment like what we're dealing with. For some organizations, adopting the cloud is innovation. They see that itself as an innovation. For companies like Druva, our innovation is like powered by the advanced architectural capabilities that we build out of the data. Uh, that we can provide for our customers, whether whether it's like our own search or our own data classifiers or our own uh, data discovery capabilities, our own privacy capabilities. We build based off on already being in the cloud. We leverage things from there, various for organizations who are just adopting the cloud. Making the transformation to cloud is their innovation play there. Having been at both types of companies, uh, there, there, there are a lot of similarities in terms of how you approach things like innovation and advanced development, and there are differences. So, so for example, I, you know, one of the things I see is um, whether it was at uh, some of my previous companies or at Druva, one of the things you try to do is you try to hire people with maybe a different background, a different skill set than your traditional core engineers, because you are looking for that diversity of, of perspective, new opinions, new approaches. And so if you just hire more of the people who've been doing the same thing, it's possible they'll, they'll, they'll get sort of a breakthrough innovation, but it's less likely. Um, I, I think uh, one of the contrasts, though, is... Um, in, in those traditional companies, there's usually so much value, right? And 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 we always we always you know it's very easy to kind of look down on 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 companies that have billions of dollars in revenue and say, well, they're dinosaurs. Well, yeah, but they got to be you know multi-billion-dollar companies because they brought a lot of value to their customers. And there's always this tension between how do I bring this value into this new environment, and how do I evaluate whether that value is going to be important to you know, the customers. And and then that gets into the question of how you deal with customers. Are you trying to get net new customers or are you trying to, you know, sort of convert and shift along your old customers? Because your existing customers might care about some of that traditional value. The new customers might not. And so you really have to sort of work your way down. And like Preeti said, it starts with a, a customer-centric view, um, but you need people that are going to question everything. Because I think if you don't, uh, then it's going to be really hard to break out out of you know, sort of the small, uh, the small incremental improvements that you tend to do. 
Definitely. And also, uh, you, were, you were talking about uh, uh, larger organizations and organi- growth-focused organizations like Druva. Organizations like Druva, we have the agility. We have the agility to uh, try things quickly, you know, ability to make decisions quickly, move fast, try fast, fail fast, learn quickly, and develop new things. Those things brings a lot of uh, speed when it comes to innovation. And second, you were, uh, you were speaking of people, which is a very important part of innovation, having the right people. So um, large organizations tend to, uh, if they want to innovate, they tend to hire specialists. They tend to hire experts in a particular domain. But when it comes to medium and small organizations, what with our own experience that we see is having generalists uh, who are versatile, uh, we, have, we see more success there. Because we want independence in creating these innovative solutions. These generalists can work across the spectrum. Uh, we have uh, generalists, for instance, who can work on like uh, Kubernetes, they who work on like uh, big data analytics, work on AI ML, uh, work on like deployments, uh, whether it's like serverless or generalists who can work across the spectrum, which makes it easier for us to build a more a solution-oriented approach than than trying to build a model that is very, very specific to one particular use case and needs a lot more around it for it to be a viable solution. But with these generalists, we find it easier to have a more cohesive, complete solution. The other aspect as well here when it comes to like driving innovative solutions, when you start innovating, right, uh, you, you, you try to like build like a proof of concept or a prototype, which is fine. But then uh, some important things that teams that don't keep in mind is like scalability and expandability. Uh, these are very important because if you don't factor in scalability, expandability, and security, these top three things, your the, what you build, whether it's the uh, prototype or the proof of concept, will become obsolete very soon. And when you're building a large-scale solution, you will find yourself reinventing the whole solution. So it is important that you make these architectural decisions to have the uh, architecture to expand, to have a scalable solution. To give you an example, for instance, when uh, we wanted to build like uh, search capabilities, we didn't just pull out like Elasticsearch and we said like, you know what, let's just index the data. When we designed, when we built our architecture, we thought like, okay, we must be able to manage terabytes of indexes. So uh, then you start thinking from there. So will it be feasible to just spin up something for a prototype? No. So then uh, we build our own architecture that is suitable for the scale at cost. Here's a question. I, I was curious your thoughts and 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 yours too, Curtis. Is that you know I mean one way companies try to be innovative is is by having an advanced development or a lab style team. Another one that's really popular these days is are these hackathons, right? Or, or or some sort of innovation contest. And I'm curious on your guys' thoughts in, in terms of do they work? How can you make them work? How do you how do you make sure that people aren't disappointed at the end? You know, what what are some best practices there? Because virtually every company I know now is trying to run a hackathon of some sort or other. A hackathon is a great practice. Many organizations have built innovative products based off on that. And uh, at Druva as well, we uh, we have hackathons and we see wonderful projects that comes from uh, engineers. To make sure that we get the best out of this, like what we do is we are involved throughout the process. We understand what problem that is solving. We even after the hackathon, we still continue to work with those engineers or even have a dedicated a span of time that they can invest on this, further develop the project that they came up with during hackathon. 
So in these ways, uh, it helps to like leverage on some of the bright ideas that came up during this process. Uh, this is like on the solution side, right? For even on the problem space, on the defining the problem side of things, even before hackathons, what what we do here at Druva is like we work across whether it's like product managers or whether it's like a customer success or or um, sales engineers who who are facing the customers uh, we get inspirations from them on what are some of the problems that uh, that can be solved so we don't look for solution from them but for uh, what would be like the problems that can be solved so there is so there is a match between like some of the problems that we currently see and to the solutions that is being built so that inspires the solutions as well and of course the engineers can also come up with their own problem solutions uh, to develop as well but the very important part is taking it from there uh, is this something that you're making a commitment in the roadmap or are you spending uh, some more time developing this further to have a more polished more polished solution that you can try it out as an early access or as a beta so Taking the journey from there is also comes under the innovation uh, strategy. Uh, what I will say is uh, th- there's nothing I can add of value to that. <laughs> so I, I, I want to go to the next question, which is, what do you think? So if you're, you know, you're directing innovation at Druva, what do you think is coming in the future? You know that we can that we can speak to at this point in the backup area, like the innovate. You know the, the areas in which we're going to innovate in backup. It comes back to the original, you know, point. Thinking, having customer centric thought here, rethinking how backup is being done. So we uh, we see in several data protection organizations that oh, the backup admin needs to know to perform these steps. The backup admin should know their workloads. They should. There is this unrealistic expectations, especially with new workloads coming in and asking the backup admin to know like what their policies should be or what their scheduling should be or uh, what they should be backing up. Expecting that coming from the backup admin, but rather take an approach where backup should just work. We as a solution should provide a customer-centric backup solution to the customers where uh, where backup admin has like several things to manage. This is just another workload for them. So how can we make it easy for them? How can we suggest the right configurations? How can we suggest the right, what they need to backup? How can we prevent failures? How can we proactively inform them about like what can possibly fail? What we call this as like the zero touch protection or touchless backup protection. We have to like transform and rethink how backup is done. Make it way, way easier for admins than what it is today. So that is how the future looks like. There's not a lot to, 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 to say on top of that. I do think the other area that, that you're going to continue to see, um, though, though not as aggressively, is, again, pe- people wanting to, to extract more value from their, their, their backup data. And, and, and it's interesting, right? Because there's always been sort of two mindsets on this. One is that, well, I'm, I'm going to make the data available to you, and you're magically going to come up with some brilliant thing to do with it. Uh, and, and I think the last 10 to 15 years have shown that simply putting backups on disk and then telling people they could do something with them hasn't led to a lot of unique use cases because, in fact, you know, the backup administrator doesn't know what to do with the data. They don't often know what the data is, uh, and they don't necessarily have the resources to, to be able to do something with it. 
And so I still think the, hey, you could use your backups for something is largely a, a, a fool's gold. Uh, what I do think you, you see more and more, though, is, is again, into that zero touch type of model, predefined solutions that, that leverage the backup. So getting better at ransomware protection and ransomware recovery, uh, building in e-discovery, uh, better search, those sorts of those sorts of flows which are pre-created. I think that's that's probably where the near-term future in terms of extracting more value from backup is. And and I think that as, especially as things like uh, privacy uh, and uh, forensics and e-discovery get more and more important and the data becomes more and more distributed, I, I think you're going to see some interesting things happen in that space as well. So not sort of the generic, do more with your backup data, but more of a, you know, here's some specific things that are already done for you uh, with your backup data. I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, th- th- this idea that we that we have talked about for 10 to 15 years, this idea that you will just make the backups available to do processing and do things that have nothing to do with data protection, right? Uh, that's that's the unfulfilled promise that I that I'm not sure. Is that kind of what you were going after? That, that, that's exactly it. It's 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 the it's the story we tell so that we all feel a little bit better and and somewhat more hopeful. But there's not a lot of substance behind the story. And and I say that as someone who told that story for a decade, uh, and at least for the first half of the decade, I believed it. Uh, so. <laughs> I don't know. Pre- Preetzee is probably not as, uh, as, uh, cynical. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think you're right in that we will drive innovation in ways that allow us to use the backup data to do other things that are in the sphere, yeah. right. You know, the things Preeti mentioned, you know, and, and you mentioned things about protecting against ransomware, e-discovery, uh, trend analysis, failure analysis, predictive failure analysis. Uh, I, I like all of that. It, it's all still sort of, it's in that sphere of protecting your data, right? And protecting your data center. Well, the data center is not the center of the data anymore, but the, the, the protecting all of your data wherever it resides. Um, I, is that, that sound about right, Preeti? Yes, it definitely does. Well, with that, I think we'll, we'll call an end to this particular podcast. Uh, so thank you, Preeti, for, for joining the podcast. Thank you, um, Curtis and Stephen, for having me here. And uh, we'll round that out. And uh, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And remember, here at Druva, there's no hardware required.